0: Tēnā no my mai, haere mai. Welcome to Q&A, I'm Jack Tang. Today, is New Zealand First set to hold the balance of power? Winston Peters is with us live. Then our final leader interview of this year's campaign. Can James Shaw return to Parliament with the biggest ever Greens caucus?
1: The time for half measures is over. There is no other time. And
0: with polls set to open for everyone from tomorrow morning, we ask how much early voting has changed election campaigns.
2: But I think it does raise issues, particularly if there are really significant policy uh, positions around fiscal policy, for example. We'll have that story for you shortly. But first, if polling trends are to be believed, New
0: Zealand First is set once again to make a return to Parliament. What's more, Winston Peters and his party may soon be in a position to form a support agreement with National and shape the next government. Winston Peters, kia ora, good morning. Good morning. I want to start with policy this morning. New Zealand First will establish a dedicated gang prison. How many prisoners will that hold?
3: Well, it will hold the number that's required to be held because what we're going to do is see the recruiting going on in prisons now. And the um, corrections officers tell me it's totally possible. Mm. It'll actually work. And so I believe them because of their experience. We're also going to make sure we increase their correctional capacity as well. Uh, But we're going to not go on any further with uh, a recruitment process which is destructive to young Māori, particularly Mm. first in prison, who are then coming out as full, ready to be graduated as full gang members.
0: So how many people will it hold?
3: It will hold the required number that there is now.
0: And what is the required number?
3: If you just go and have a look now, this is not complex. Mm. Ask yourself how many gang members are in prison now. I'm asking you, how many
0: gang members are there in prison now?
3: Well, I, it depends what where do you talk about. Are there uh, how, how, oh. how
0: many gang-affiliated prisoners are there in New Zealand prisons, according to Corrections? Now,
3: no one has that record.
0: Oh, Corrections does two thousand seven hundred.
3: Oh, I thought it more than that.
0: Oh, okay. Well, you that's could why have I did that. That,
3: Well, I would have thought it'd be three thousand at the very least. Mm. Uh, but when I talked to them, they said they weren't certain of, and that's why I'm not giving you an answer now.
0: Mm. So, you're going to build a new prison to hold three thousand people?
3: We're going to have people in prison building prisons like I saw offshore in Greenville, South Carolina. Mm. And I thought, this is great. Now we've got people getting skills, they're working, and they're actually doing something for society.
0: You're going to build a prison that will hold 3,000 people?
3: No, no, we're going to get people building units, type of security prefab units that I saw internationally. Mm. And it's a wonderful idea, and you've got people coming out now with some skills to take a job Mm. when they get out. Prison's about punishment and rehabilitation. So,
0: so you, think, you think we need to hold 3,000 prisoners, uh, so that would be three Mount Eden prisons, three Rimutaka prisons? How, how much will it cost to implement this policy?
3: Well, much less than it's costing now.
0: H- how much will it cost?
3: Oh, look, I'm not going to sit here and have a fiscal argument with you when you don't know what you're talking about. The prison officers that I saw, back New Zealand's first proposal, they said it will work, and if it happens, they say we will have far less reoffending.
0: offending Mr Peters, it's entirely reasonable, in an election campaign, given this is your policy, to ask how much these new prisons will cost.
3: Look, if you knew that, you would know that Kelvin Davis... Do, had... do you not know that? Kelvin Davis has been asked that question and he doesn't I, know.
0: I'm asking you. It's your no, policy, if, Mr Peters. No, if Pete... the
3: minister in charge of corrections doesn't know and the system doesn't know, how would you know? How much does it cost to hold a prisoner a year? Well, now that varies between one hundred and twenty-five thousand to they say one hundred and ninety-five to 200000 Right now, that cost, that variable, is concern, of concern to me because mm. it's far too big a range. So, how much does it cost to hold a prison uh, to, to build a prison that would hold three thousand people? Uh, the fact of the matter is that there is a prisons. There are prisons now. That can do that as we speak. We've just got to make sure we assign them to there.
0: Mm. Oh, so so you're not actually going to develop a new prison. You're going to you're going to reassign well, some of that current
3: work it, work it out, Jack.
0: doesn't sound like there's a lot of work detail it, look on it out, policy. Jack,
3: There are 2,000 spare beds now in our prisons. Mm. So we've got more than two-thirds of the way there already, just as we speak. So, now, if you take out from one person uh, that capacity, you're going to get there. But mm. when Mr uh, Davis was asked this question, mm. the minister in charge of corrections, not you, he didn't know. Mr Peters, this is your policy.
0: I asked you how many prisoners in New Zealand had gang affiliations. You didn't know. I asked you how much it would cost. You
3: didn't No, know. I said to you that it uh, was 3,000. You say it's 2,700. <laughs> I don't believe that.
0: Actually, uh, the, the record will show that you said that that information doesn't exist, and I check with well, the Well, no, no. It because, does exist. I've got another question no for you no regarding one, no, another no, policy. No, stop right Mr. here. Peters. Stop
3: right here. I'm not going to be talked over here. I've been going to prisons as a young lawyer for a long time, watching mm. and seeing prisoners and seeing Bremerymen all around this country and doing it internationally. The prison officers, when I spoke to them, they said they don't know exactly, but mm. they thought it was that figure, and that's why I wasn't going to go and use it.
0: It's surprising, given your experience in prisons, that you wouldn't have developed some sort of fiscal detail around a policy of this significance. Well, I have, actually.
3: OK, well, how much will it cost? <laughs> the fact is there won't be greater costs... How much will it cost? Can I just no, say... No, no,
0: no, 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 you can't. No, we you won't can tell have us a... how much it will cost. This is your policy. You've
3: complained uh, in this campaign Look, I'm not you... here having, having... You've complained in this Excuse campaign already that people do not mind you, don't you mind, about we, detail We won't have amateur hour based on what you don't know. By I'll all means to you, Mr. and I'm answering you. Well, if you'll just keep quiet for a second, take a valium, and realise we're only two weeks away from the election, if the corrections officers didn't know with certainty, if the Minister of Corrections didn't know mm. at all, then how can you be so certain of that? And that's my point. All, there's, so much okay. going, there's so much going on in this election campaign where the numbers are being thrown around and they're not true.
0: Perhaps then you can give us some more certainty with this policy. New Zealand First will fund residential care for the aged. How many people will you fund?
3: Well, the reality is that you've got these concerns. First of all, you've got 63,000 caregivers in uh, uh, residential age. Mm. Some have been working for 25 years on the minimum wage. Mm. All these figures have to be... You have to go through residential care by residential care. The certainty of that is not known. So the question
0: I I asked was was how many people will you fund? Your your policy, Zealand First will fund residential care for the aged. How many people will you fund?
3: I've just given you the figure of care workers alone. and I'm can not asking about care workers. I'm asking about the aged
0: people who will receive the care. How many people will receive the care? Well, if you had
3: any understanding of the situation, it's the people that care for them that are going to be the cost are mm. That's the figure, and I've looked at. But the, the cost
0: uh, is entirely dependent on how many people they're caring for. So my question is, how many people do you anticipate caring for under this policy,
3: your policy? There's a range of aged care. Do you not know that, Mr.
0: Peters? It's a straight question. It's No, there's a range. Of,
3: no, you're not going to sit here like an amateur owl, not knowing the facts. As a former treasurer, I do understand the subject. Very good.
0: There's, You'll there's be a happy range to of share the, with us. some the Can your I post- finish period. off? How, no, you can tell us how much this policy will cost.
3: Could I just finish off?
0: You can tell us how much the
3: policy will cost. Can I finish cost? off my answer?
0: If you, if you please tell us how much the policy will cost. It's a straight question.
3: Can I just Does tell TV1? Tell TV, th- uh, TV One, You're a taxpayer owned operation. The taxpayer's entitled to have a proper interview here, not you thinking you're going to do what you did last time. Mr. Peters. Now, can I just say it's this? It's a
0: straight question. I'm going to ask you a straight question if
3: you'll shut up for five seconds. Would you do that? Tell me you're going to do that before I answer.
0: Mr Peters, it is a straight question. Are you going to keep quiet while while I answer answer. the question? Okay. according to Alderney, the average cost per person is $1,400 a year.
3: We're not moving on.
0: So so there are currently 865,000 New Zealanders over the age of 65. So if just 10% of the over 65 population receive residential care as per your one-sentence policy, New Zealand First will fund residential care for the age... The cost to New Zealand taxpayers would be $6.2 billion a year.
3: It is extraordinary. You didn't even wait for the answer. The answer is there's a raise in rental care. Go and have a look out there. There are some that are hard up against it and Mm. they're collapsing as we speak. You've got all sorts of care systems uh, systems which cannot get staffed. They're all in a crisis, and we have said that we're going to look at that and find the gaps in the system and attempt to fix that up. Now, that cannot be answered in the way that you just answered it. There is no fiscal detail in that
0: policy, is there, Mr Peters?
3: Well, our budget, uh, sorry, our manifesto comes out later today. Why don't you wait? We made sure that we're going to have it out, given the huge pre-few gaps and holes there are. Mm. We made sure that we're going to make sure ours stacks up. But, of course, you couldn't wait. You didn't ask me to... Will really, it a plan? You didn't ask me whether we had a manifesto.
0: Mr. Peters, I asked you how many prisoners you would hold in your new prisons. You couldn't answer. I asked you how much it would cost. You couldn't answer. I asked you how many people you would care for in your residential care policy. You couldn't answer. I asked you how much it would cost. You no, couldn't Jack. answer. I'm I want to sorry, talk about Jack. co-governance. I'm
3: sorry, Jack. I'm,
0: th- I'm going to talk about Jack, co-governance. You're not going to get past a me. you You're not going to get campaign. past me
3: with bull dust. I could answer, but you had the answer that wasn't correct. A That's centrepiece
0: of your campaign is your opposition to co-governance. When you were deputy prime minister. Why did your government commission the Hepuapua
3: report? It was a requirement that of uh, signing up to the UN declaration, which I stopped in 2007, which John Key and Peter Sharple signed up in 2010, that we had to report back to the UN about what we were doing. It was the report to be commissioned Mm. and then shown to guess who? The person dealing with the United Nations is the Foreign Minister, me. Mm. And it never was. And Willie Jackson told you all why he kept it away from us. OK,
0: let's have a look, Chris. We've got a Cabinet paper here from 2019. So this is a Cabinet paper, uh, a minute from a Cabinet subcommittee. You can see the New progress on the United Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People. Development of a national plan. And it says that the committee agrees to establish a technical working group, including non-governmental experts on human and Indigenous rights, and notes that the working group will provide the Minister with advice and recommendations on the form and content of a declaration plan. And so let's see who was present in the room I was when there. that was... I was there, the Jack.
3: Stop being a smart aleck. I was there, Yeah. and I've said it, and I've, uh, my next question to you was, why was it not shown to me?
0: I'm the one asking the questions. I, I mean, perhaps well, that's we'll a will try and ask them sensibly. There, and not clever. There's, there's a good question. Clever. Why, when that, that Cabinet paper very clearly says... The report was due back in August of 2019. Why would a genuinely concerned, diligent, competent minister not demanded to have seen the report at that
3: point? Ah, oh, look, this is a waste of everybody's time. This is that, a waste that, of that's your... That's a great this question. A, this is a waste of your viewers' time. This is a contempt for the democratic process. Let me tell you what happened. Miss, Mr. The Peter. report was hidden from me and didn't come out until a month after the 2020 election. These are the facts. When Willie Jackson was asked, why didn't you show Winston, he said, well, you know what, he would have done it with, wouldn't you? And this man here, standing here right now, trying to defy gravity, trying to defy fact, trying to get a lie out there and expects the public of New to believe it. Mr Peters... I no. believe Willie Jackson. He's got a reason, no reason to hide this. Mr, Mr.
0: Peters, you blame Willie Jackson for not sharing hepupua. But what about your role in this? Wouldn't a diligent minister who was concerned about co-governance have chased up the report while in
3: Cabinet? Oh, oh, so I was concerned about co-governance. I'm, a can- I'm opposed to co-governance. Exactly. You well, are you are opposed to co Yeah, but this was not about co-governance until it appeared in its full in its full completion. And when it's completed, it was about co-governance, which is why they didn't ever show me, you, Jack.
0: When you were in Cabinet, had the opportunity to chase up the report. Oh, you this didn't is ridiculous.
3: Okay. Mr Peters... So some report is meant to be ready by August and it's not there, and that's my number one priority?
0: I would have thought, given your opposition to co governance, oh, no, no. it would your, be.
3: Don't show your gross inexperience.
0: Mr. Peters, if you're so opposed no, Jack, to co governance. Don't show
3: your gross inexperience. Why, why did you Everybody, government... even, even the Prime Minister at the time, admits she didn't show me. And you were on the show trying to tell people I did know.
0: You, you see, you're putting this responsibility on other people. You were the Deputy Prime Minister. Oh, no, you no, were no, arguing. No, move on, move on. One of New Zealand's look, move most on, experienced
3: politicians. You're not going to win this what campaign. What does it say about the aptitude you're not and win competence this campaign Jack? of a
0: serious minister? Jack, you know. If they would not chase up something of that sort. Jack, I know you're
3: desperate, but you're not going to stop this surge in our campaign now with lies and deceit.
0: Mr. Peters. I'm sad to
3: see that you're part of it now.
0: Mr. Peters, I think we all understand the tactic. You come in here, you huff and puff and hurl insults around. I get it. For people at home, it might be entertaining. These are serious times worthy of serious leadership. If you are unable to answer straight questions about your policy, your competence, and your integrity.
3: That's on you. The Hey pur pur matter has been out there for months. It's all been answered. No-one's arguing, excepting Jack Tame and TVNZ. What a waste of taxpayers' money you are.
0: Winston Peters, if you were so opposed to co-governance, why did your government oversee the earliest stages of co-governance provisions in three waters?
3: Oh, here we go. This is amazing. We've got a crisis in Hastings. People are dying. And people are looking at the provisioning water around this country. It turned out from being an investigation into serious water deficiencies into a ownership takeover, mm. clear as daylight. And so so and why, they why, knew didn't you, why didn't you stop it when you were in government? Because it wasn't provisioned in that way when it first was well, here's, the,
0: here's a report from the Infrastructure Commission in 2020. When you were still in government, quote, the design of a new framework for the water what sector...
3: What date is it? 2020. August 2020, 2020. August 2020. September 2020. Oh, oh, September 2020. We're all out campaigning. No-one's seeing it because Cabinet has, cabinet has risen. But you'll
0: see if you allow me to read the quote. Oh, clearly, is... clearly, these conversations cabinet has already risen. happening.
3: Cabinet has risen. We're off to
0: an election. The design of a new framework for the water sector provides a rare opportunity for Te Ao Māori to be embedded at a foundational level in the new utility organisations, e.g. boards of directors. Wouldn't a concerned, competent, attentive minister have intervened?
3: If that was the matter that was being decided on then, that is the election period. We're all off mm. campaigning, and as I recall, I think at that time we were in lockdown. Isn't See, it? No, we were in lockdown. I, I, I'm forced to go back to the beach. I can't even do anything. can't even campaign. Don't you remember well, that? One would think that no, 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 as no, Deputy Prime Minister in cabinet, you would be
0: attentive to you've those things.
3: You've just been caught out. So, so,
0: so, Mr Peters, when it comes to co-governments, you've said one thing, even though you were in the room when Hipuapua was commissioned. The same applies to funding. So no, in the 2020 election about campaign... You are lying about this. In the 2020 election campaign, which you are clearly recalling well, you said, quote, we can't just go on running the country for the big end of town. Three years on, uh, look at your party's donations shows you've taken almost $900,000 in big donations this year alone, including hundreds of thousands of dollars in donations from some of the richest people in New
3: Zealand. What changed? Oh, this is amazing. Jack, take your dirt and go somewhere else. I Tell me this, we're getting less money than the Greens. $900,000? $900,000? We are getting less money than the Greens. Excuse me, you know that. We're getting one for every dollar we've that, got. That'll you.
0: be a question for the Greens as for well. They can answer that. James Shaw well, will be I'm here getting very in shortly. Fir- I'm my my in first, for you. I'm getting in
3: first to tell you that you're on a muckraking campaign and you're bound to fail. Quote, we, can can't, just say, we can't
0: just go on running the country for the say, big end of town. That's the same that, politician Jack, who's taken $900,000 big you donations. said
3: that, and that is, a, that is piecemeal compared with what they've given to the ACT Party funded by Parliament as well. They've had ten dollars for every dollar we've so, got. So,
0: so what do those rich listers want for their money? The bigger part? What do those rich listers who've donated to your
3: party no, want see, for their money? We're not corrupt like you. You're on this program trying to get rid of New Zealand first because your no, masters told you to.
0: I'm asking. Straight I got news questions for you, Jack, and, and your
3: masters. The people out there will decide this election, <clears> and the news for your masters is all bad.
0: How much money has New Zealand first received this year from people who have or have previously had interests in the racing industry?
3: we wouldn't have picked up uh, one-ninth of that amount of money, you say?
0: So I've just gone through your donations. September 12th, uh, these, are, these, are, these are people who, who are either connected what to the rating industry or... Th- these are people who own horses uh, or, in at and least one case, breed nine. horses. So let's go through those. So this is September 12th, you received two donations of $50,000. Uh, the 11th of August, $100,000. 10th of July, $50,000. From the racing industry? The 14th of April, 50000 dollars From 50, the racing industry? Days. Those are donations from people. No, who you started out with the, the racing, racing industry, and
3: now, yeah. now, now, now you're out lying saying we've received 300000 from the racing industry. That's not fault. Th- those me. are people who have or have previously s- had interest in no, the racing industry. No, no, no. Sorry, you got caught out there. Big time. H- how so? I told you one-ninth has come in from them, which is a very small amount, I might add. I- but you're out there saying all this money's come from the, industry, the racing industry, and again you've been caught out. If,
0: if you make it into what government... What a
3: waste th- of my time to be do, here.
0: Do, do you intend to promote tax breaks or government funding that could financially benefit people connected to the racing industry? No, I, I've never done that. When you were last in government, you used the Provincial Growth Fund to fund three synthetic racetracks at a cost to taxpayers of more than $10 million. And here's a quote uh, from government officials at the time. Quote, The proposed Rickerton Park synthetic racetrack is located in Christchurch City, which is ineligible for PGF funding. You and Cabinet still signed it off. You gave a tax break to the racing industry worth almost $5 million. So will you oppose any new funding or tax breaks for the racing industry? This is astonishing Jack.
3: Jack, you're being exposed for the dirt merchant you are. It's Sim- so sad. It's a simple question. You know, last time, last time I was here before the last election, you made a series of allegations, which in two dramatic court cases we destroyed, but you're not apologising me today. Will you you're oppose... You're back on the same dirt message. Will you oppose I any... Pro- I want to apologise to these viewers watching makes. this because this is not the way politics should be run. It should be about a... Bit- people having a chance the to way the politics in. should
0: be run in a democracy mr Peters, is that those who are in powerful positions or wish to be in powerful positions should answer
3: straight yeah, questions going start with you being put this, to them being we're going put to start them with on tvnz after this campaign being put to them on behalf wasted, of the new zealand how much people? have they wasted on the merger M- Mr Peter... How many hundreds of millions have they wasted on the merger?
0: Do you accept... Let's, let's tell a public Given you now. have received hundreds of thousands of dollars from people who are in some way connected to the racing no, industry... No, I haven't. No, I have the, not Your party hundreds, has?
3: I have not received...
0: Do you believe it would be I've a good interest i told you we have not, not received hundreds, hundreds of minister.
3: thousands of dollars in this campaign from the racing industry. And still you're standing there arguing and misleading New Zealanders. Will you recuse yourself from any government matters related to racing? Oh, listen, I think... Uh, it's better that I just tell you that there's things like this. This is a manifesto for Auckland. This is a city in absolute crisis. I'd like to talk about sorry, that I'm and, sorry, how, and how I'm Peters. backing that, but not Mr. you. Mr Peters,
0: no, I've asked you. you decided it's me? going to be
3: all about Jack Tame when, and your lousy programme called Q&A. Mr. And Peters. I'm disappointed because New Zealanders deserve far better than that in this campaign, and I tell you what, in the next two weeks they're going to get it. They're going to get some accountability from these people who think that they are in control.
0: I'm glad that you are so concerned with accountability. Will you recuse yourself from any government matters concerning racing?
3: You know, recuse is a legal phrase. You know what it means? Yeah. yeah Please. You, you, you no, know, you don't know what it means, do you? Recuse is when you've got an interest personal, and I haven't got one. Okay. I don't know. I don't own a resource. I believe in an industry that should be 3.5 billion, mm. and it's only 1.6 billion. It employs 32,000 people. And
0: you don't believe in your real past connections. It's part of real The donations you've And, you and he's received. not concerned
3: about that. He's not concerned about the venture fund. He just knows everything about it. It's sad, okay. It's a waste of time. Mr
0: Peters, one of your centrepiece policies, number three on your election pledges on your website, is an end to vaccine mandates. So what government vaccine mandates are still in place?
3: Vaccine mandates came in in October of 2021. And people were mandated out of their jobs, hospital nurses, doctors mm. and school teachers. They're out there in their thousands. And those are the ones that uh, were in place all this time. And my point is this. Those people took enormous punishment for their standing up and saying, I don't agree. And they lost their jobs, they lost Mm. their their income. They've got husbands, they've got wives, they've got children, no one cared about that. And I won a full-scale inquiry Mm. to see that people got treated properly. So what government mandates are still in place? Well, Mr Hipkins the other day said that there were no mandates in the first place, didn't he? That was a lie. He said there was no mandates in the first place. And at the moment, he didn't, and the, he didn't and say the there moment, were
0: no mandates. He said that no man- one was forced against. He, he said that no one was forced to have a jab, which is true. There were mandates in place. There, there were mandates well, in place. Well, he? he lied. My question for you: Are what government vaccine mandates are still in place?
3: Well, at the moment, there's only this exclusion. There are some medical facilities where, if, mm. you're, not, uh, vaccinated, if you're not vaccinated, you can't get a job there. I want to have no, a look. That's, that sounds like a mandate to me, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I want to consider your. Oh, you're going to say they weren't
0: in place at all? No, I'm, uh, your position today is that you oppose vaccine mandates. But in 2021, let's have a look at this. You said on your social media platforms, "No uh, jab." Look, I've owned up to that. No, means sorry. Means no doll and no role. I parole. didn't put
3: that post up, and the people that put the post up, I said at the time. Later on, I'm apologising for that, and thereafter, I made sure I did every what's every post every day. So,
0: so you expect us to believe that somehow? someone close enough to you to be trusted with your social media somehow completely misunderstood your position when it comes to vaccine mandates, understood I, it so much that even though you opposed vaccine mandates, they put a post up saying I, no jab means no You
3: know, call, no I've owned, I've owned up to it. I said it was a mistake. I said I'm sorry, and I've made sure that it never happened again. Who, who was it? I, who put up the post? Well, I'm not going to tell you who that person is.
0: See, why should, why should we believe that? I've laid out multiple examples where you have I've, said one thing because Jack long, done I mean, another.
3: Jack, months ago months ago, I've said that a long time before you mm. decide you're going to become a Philadelphia lawyer and show how amateur you are.
0: Well, why shouldn't I believe that instead
3: <laughs> I'd interview, you actually... I had an interview like this yesterday. Unbelievable arrogance of these journalists who don't know what day it is Think they're going to come here and take me to the cleaners. Just, you, it just I've got a news for seems, you, Jack, and it's it all bad.
0: Very, have you had that post taken down?
3: Who, I, I said at the time... Have you later, had the post I, taken down, Mr I, I said later on, that post is not my view and I'll make sure it doesn't happen again that I don't uh, mm. keep a daily surveillance at 9.30 mm. every day. I've made sure of that since then.
0: I want to finish by asking about. What a waste race. of
3: time you are on this interview. Your, your the candidate, to know, the people want to know what the selection your about the policies, but you've just turned into a vindictive attack.
0: Mr. Peters, your candidate Rob Ballantyne said this about Maori. I oh,
3: knew you'd go there. He didn't say it about Maori. I stop lying. He said it about the disease, the virus of co-governance. I'm going
0: to I'm going to quote Rob Ballantyne.
3: You're not going to repeat Hipkins' lie to. Uh, to me, as a good the other day, I'm going to quote Rob Malan be here. Sucked, Mr. Being sucked in by it,
0: uh, I want to. Um, so he he said this about Maori. Quote: Cry if you want to, we don't care. You push he it He didn't too say far. that about
3: Maori for the umpteenth time. Stop lying, we
0: are the party with the cultural mandate and the courage to cut out your disease and bury you permanently. Does his view represent that? No, stop theory? lying, Jack.
3: He didn't say that about Maori. He said about the disease and the vi- and, and and the virus of co-governance. And I've made that speech. In hall after hall, packed to the wall by a stack of Māori in the audience says, well, that, all agreeing with that, me. That might make sense, but
0: for one word. And we're not going to have amateur
3: hour with you telling me what my think. That thing. might make all sense,
0: right? Mr Peters, that, that explanation, but for one word. The word is you. I will quote him directly. I've been back and watched the tape. He said, we will bury you permanently. Not bury it, not bury co-governance, not bury the concept, <laughs> bury you. He was also asked about his uh, comments by staff, and Mr Ballantyne himself added context. He said this, I was not talking about mainstream Māori, I was talking about the disingenuous Māori elite. It's the likes of Willie Jackson. Rob Ballantyne, when given an opportunity to add context to that statement, agreed that it was about people, not about a concept.
3: That quote was about human beings. I have spoken to Mr Ballantyne, he has been going off my speeches, and I've always connected the uh, cancer of the co-governance, which is destructing our democracy, where one vote is no longer the same, mm. connected to democracy itself, and I've then connected to the people who are out there, these elite self-appointed, like the party Mari, which is probably gonna go down in this campaign and won't be in parliament. Mm. Here's the party Mari making all these demands, right? They say that Maori is 17% of the population, yet they're only polling about one and a half, which means that a mass majority of Maori do not want them. I'm going to read that and quote once more. And you're out there... Mr no, Peters, you're this out is the quote of your candidate. We woke the party fellow, the a cultural woke mandate... A woke fellow traveller telling me a Maori... And the carrot, And the Maori with a, with a proud background what I should be thinking. This is extraordinary. To, to cut out your decision. How arrogant can you be? ..and bury you? How arrogant can you be? It's like yesterday's interview does, as well. I've got a white person telling "I've been here for thousands of years, started the Ngāriwāi Land Retention Committee one Mr. of the biggest places ever. D-
0: does your candidate know... What Maori know, should think? Does, does Rob Ballantyne know that it was your decision to put Labor in power that made the Maori elite he wants to bury, Willie Jackson, the Minister of Maori Development?
3: Is he aware that it was your decision? Oh, this like is that? unbelievable. This is unbelievable. My colleagues, for a start, all agreed, having had a talk with Bill English at the very opening of the negotiations, Mm. that we were in trouble going with National because Mm. there was going to be a spill-on. They were out to roll Bill English, and we'd seen it all before. Everybody in my caucus at the time unanimously thought, well, we're in trouble, we've got to do this. And here you are now blaming me for Willie Jackson being the minister of my affairs. Well, you chose Labor. But he, he, never, had, he never had that in his manifesto. <laughs> right. That, that, excuse me. And that was never part of our coalition agreement at all. And it's what was happening covertly, hidden away from me. And Willie Jackson, bless his cotton socks, has said that. But no, Jack Mr. Tame Peters. and TVNZ, now I'm not believing believe Willie, who's got no reason to lie, you prefer to go ahead with the lie. Mr and you're doing Peters, it again today. I have one
0: last question for you.
3: People are going to say to me, Winston, why did you bother coming come here today? And I'm going to say, well, I Mr. stopped Mr Peters, we're gonna, Democracy is gonna... about hearing both sides of the story, not hearing arrogant, jumped up, overpaid people think they know more about this country. Mr Peters, you, you have Thank railed you, against co-governance. Thank you, Jack. you just made a hopeless case here. You've, it's good you've, case you've, you've railed against to, co-governance. For us to make sure we get the broadcasting portfolio after this election. Is that a threat, Mr Peters? <laughs> no, it's not a threat. It's a promise that you're going to have an operation that's much more improved than what it is now. It's just an idea.
0: Thank you for your time. Good luck in the campaign.
3: Yeah, well, I believe that, Jack, like I believe half the other bulldust you just said.
0: New Zealand First Leader Winston Peters. After the break, it's not that long since the Greens were fighting for their party's parliamentary survival, but 2023 is different. James Shaw is with us live next. my welcome back to Q&A. The Greens say they want to reimagine Aotearoa for the year 2030. As voters head to the polls, the party's on track to record its largest ever caucus and James Shaw, the co-leader of the Greens, is with us this morning. Kia ora, good morning. Good morning. Let's talk policy. The Green Party is proposing a 2.5% wealth tax on individual wealth over $2 million and joint wealth for couples over $4 million. How will that wealth be calculated?
1: Uh, well, you know, inland revenue have done quite a lot of work on this in recent times, um, but that is something that would have to, you know, kind of work through with officials. So, um, David, you don't have details. Like no, I don't, because some of those policies, uh, you know, you do actually have to do the work with officials to uh, to do that. But there has been a lot of work on that, and we've we've used that recent work that inland revenue did um, under David Parker when he was inland revenue as our kind of baseline for that. How will it be enforced? Well, the same way that any uh, tax system is enforced. So we have made quite a conservative assumption about avoidance for this, and we've looked at what other countries have done. Um, And and even with uh, quite a high level Mm. of avoidance, if you assume a high level of avoidance, we've still got enough revenue to cover the costs uh, of the policy. So how much more compliance resource will be required to enforce this? Well, uh, I don't have specifics around the wealth tax, but we have said that we need to ensure overall that inland revenue does require... uh, um, more resource than it currently has, even to, even to ensure that we've got enforcement across our current tax system? Because there is, of course, mm. avoidance at the moment. So,
0: OK, but, but if we have our current tax system, that, that you say that IRD is under-resourced as it is. Mm. How much more will we need if we're going to have a wealth tax that affects thousands
1: of New Zealanders? Well, if you think about it, if you were to put you know a few million dollars into uh, enforcement, but you're raising... 12 to $14 billion of mm. revenue, it's not like the enforcement is anywhere near even a fraction of a fraction uh, of the amount of revenue. Right, but you this is why those. I'm asking for detail on yeah. it, right? And, and yeah. you, don't, you don't have that detail. Um, to, to look at how the tax would
0: work, you have the 2.5% wealth tax on individual wealth, but a 1.5% blanket tax yeah. on all assets and trusts. So, if I'm to put my Bush accountant hat on for a moment, if I was a wealthy individual... Why wouldn't I keep roughly $2 million in assets in my own name and then shift everything above that, that would have been taxed at 2.5%, into a trust where it's taxed at 1.5%? Uh,
1: so in the... I mean, one of the reasons why we're looking at taxing trusts at all mm. is as an anti-avoidance measure on the wealth tax uh, itself, right? So one of the things that you have to do is to ensure that, you know, it, it, that there isn't... Uh, an incentive to move your assets around in order to, in order to avoid that. If you, were to do, if you were to do, for example, if you were to do a capital gains tax mm. uh, rather than a wealth tax, then you, you know, the, the requirement would be different. So that, that is actually there as an anti-avoidance measure. You're right, but
0: case. my point is that, that, that by moving everything above $2 million into a, into a trust that's taxed at a lower rate, immediately that wipes out a massive slab of your projected revenue. Billions
4: of dollars.
1: No, it doesn't. How? Explain. Explain how it does it. Explain well, it because there's no because it applies to everything under two million, right? So if you were to say, no, so, so you, as an individual, you keep two
0: million dollars of assets in your own name. You put everything above that in a trust, which is taxed at one point five percent. Yeah, but the, as opposed to two point five percent.
1: But the point is, is that the to, is that your to, your total assets then. Rem, remember, it, it, your your trust accounts as part of your assets, ah, right? So, right. So what you're saying there is. If you, were to, if you were to move it across, then that would, that would count. But at the moment, because the way that trust law operates, it doesn't count. So,
0: but what if it's a family trust? Sorry? What if it's a family trust?
1: Well, one of the things that we want to do is to ensure that uh, this is an individualised tax. So we would require changes to trust law to say, who are the beneficiaries? So you've got to look through beneficiaries right. of trusts. So anywhere
0: right. you are a beneficiary of a trust... That is the way you calculate individual work. Yeah, uh, individual it, wealth.
1: Because it's sort of like saying that I'm a part of, you know, mm. sort of a 20% shareholder in a company.
0: Again, though, example. this is compliance, right? The, 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 I mean, this is complicated enough just us talking about it in the back of an envelope. This is going to require huge compliance
1: resources. But, Jack, if you look at other countries in the OECD, we are one of the only countries in the OECD, i.e., you know, mm. welfare developed countries like ours, that doesn't have either a wealth tax or a capital gains tax or stamp duties or mm. inheritance taxes or some combination of all of so those So speaking things.
0: of other countries in Sorry, the OECD. OECD... I haven't, I haven't quite oh, finished
1: yeah. yet. My point is, this is a solved problem in just about every other developed country, and there's no reason why we, with the resource that we have, wouldn't be able to solve the problem that every other country has already so solved. So you want to lift the corporate tax rate to 33%. How does that compare to other countries in the OECD? Uh, it's uh, it's about average um so we know for example well it's, it's it, not it, it's what the australian tax rate is at the moment on corporates uh, it Australia's 30 33% was the australian was sorry 33% was the tax rate in new zealand before john key came mm. uh, and, and and dropped it back in australia it's 30 but sorry, I don't have a response to that, because my, my understanding was that... I mean, I know that they are going through some tax changes at the moment, but right. their corporate tax rate was 33%. So,
0: so, so, so uh, I think 33% would, regardless, make us the, the second-highest corporate tax rate in the OECD, so only Colombia would have a higher tax rate.
1: Jack, it, it was 33% was the tax rate in this country up until a few mm. years ago, right? And since that time, since the tax rate was lowered, what has happened is you have seen... Uh, you know, significant increase in corporate Mm. taxes that hasn't necessarily flowed through into the kind of benefits we want to see in our economy in terms of the number of people who have been lifted out of poverty, in terms of things like being able to provide dental care for people, in terms of ensuring that we've got enough houses for people to live in. You've got to look at, you know, what what are we doing as a country that means that we're not able to provide the same kind of social services and public services that other countries in our kind of weight class are able to provide. Mm -hmm. If you go back to Australia, they have a uh, capital gains tax, mm-hmm. they have stamp duties, uh, and, and so on as well. They actually have a larger share uh, of a of tax coming in, and that is one of the reasons why they are able to afford some of the things that we are not able to what afford. What
0: advice have you had about the likelihood of capital flight of wealthy people or business operators, entrepreneurs taking their money to other countries.
1: Yes, so we factored in 25% avoidance into our wealth tax calculation. Treasury, when they did this work for Grant Robertson over the summer, factored in about 15% from memory. So we've actually factored in a much more conservative Uh, avoidance. Sorry, to be clear, I'm
0: talking about capital flight. I'm talking about people who say, you know what, actually, if we've got uh, a wealth tax in New Zealand, we've got a 33% corporate tax rate. We're going to go elsewhere.
1: Well, we're going that, to take our money elsewhere. That is avoidance, right? That, that is avoidance.
0: No, but they, go, I mean, they, they permanently move elsewhere. They go, and, they go and invest in other countries where they have lower tax rates. Yeah, that's avoidance. What advice have you had about that?
1: that well, that, that is avoidance. So Treasury factored in about a 15% rate for that. Mm. Uh, we factored in 25%. So mm. we've actually had quite a conservative uh, rate to say, well, we're assuming quite a high level there. And my, But my point is this, that even if you assume a very high rate of avoidance, we would still bring enough uh, revenue in to ensure Mm. that everyone is able to, uh, you know, make ends meet uh, in life, to ensure that we're able to build enough houses to clear the waiting list Mm. uh, and to be able to fight climate change. And, And all of those things are things that other comparison countries are able to do because they have a fairer tax system. We have one of the unfairest tax systems in the entire world, Jack. So let's talk free dental. You, you want to
0: introduce universal free dental. Labor says the workforce to deliver universal free dental doesn't yet exist. Your plan has it starting for everyone next year. Mm. Who's right? Uh,
1: it, we do need to uh, scale up the uh, dental um, service, and that does mean that we would need more places, so we agree with Labor on that. Um, there is Training places yeah, for training dentists. Yeah, training places, yep. there, and of course that will take some time to flow through. Right. There is actually some capacity at the moment, like if you, because dentistry is so expensive, if you want to get a a dental appointment, you can probably do that within a day or two, right? Whereas if you look at, you know, your GP, for example, you could be waiting a week or two to to get a GP appointment. So there is some capacity in the system already. Uh, we would look at increasing dental and we would look at um, immigration settings as well. So, so we, we, we went to the dental Dentistry Association. They say there's
0: currently a 7% shortage in the sector, so roughly 170 dentists nationwide. As it stands, even with the 20 more training places for New Zealand dentists every mm. year that you would introduce, that's going to take years until we get the, the benefits mm. of that. Do you accept it would be impossible to provide universal free dental for everyone at the end
1: of next year? Well, what we're saying mm. is that there is some capacity at the moment. Yeah, uh, We are looking at not all dental services, right? So you are looking at basic dental services and ensuring that everyone gets at least an annual check-up and at least an annual clean, and that basic services like, you know, fillings... And so and everyone so can get basic
0: services by the end of next year despite a 7% shortage in the sector?
1: Yes. But remember, there is some capacity... I mean, they're right about the fact that, mm. that we are short at current capacity levels, if you're assuming the same, same level of provision. But like we're saying, we think that... You know, whilst Mm. there will be a, you know, a short-term squeeze on existing provision, if you make those extra places available, if you look at your immigration settings, then we will be able to meet that demand. You would
0: establish a New Zealand dental service. Does that mean that you would nationalise current practices?
1: In the short term, the aim is to do uh, kind of two things in parallel to each other. So we would enter into contracts, um, which are not dissimilar to what we already do for young people, where where we would essentially be um, using... Uh, the existing uh, largely private uh, dental system, but we would essentially, under the uh, Health New Zealand, under the existing public health service, we would establish a public um, dental service and then ramp that up over time. Uh, I want to ask you have to remember, Jack, it is it is kind of strange that dental is treated entirely different from every other part of your body in terms of the provision of um, public health services, but it also has an impact. On mm. the rest of your body, so you know it's related to heart disease and mm. so on, uh, and and so that does have downstream costs right. in the rest of the public. G- GPs have copays though, so why GPs have co right? Mm. So why why should we treat dental differently? Well, it's because it's not just the same as any other. Like it can require surgery. You just and, drew the comparison so, though, well, right? I, yeah. Well, I did, but in terms of the, in terms of uh, service provision, what we would say is that we actually want to ensure mm. that uh, your you know, dental health is treated the same as, as right. the rest of your health. Let's talk emissions. Of so New Zealand's emissions have dropped,
0: our gross emissions have dropped three yes. years in a row. Um, our coal imports are down. The government and you have been taking credit in part for those numbers. Yeah. But to what extent can our
1: drop in emissions simply be attributed to heavier rainfall and higher hydro lengths? Uh When it comes to, I mean, there's this thing that people keep saying, oh, you know, we've got the kind of, we're using more Indonesian coal than we've ever used before. It's actually the lowest it's been in twenty in twenty three years. Mm. That is in part because it has it's been, been raining, summer and and we do have high hydro lakes uh, at the moment. Yeah. How much but, in part? But Uh, Well, it's significant. So, so the the fact that it's not really government policy, it's just the heavy rain that's helped to lower emissions. No, but what I'm saying is that is that there has been beyond that, there have definitely been decreases when it comes to uh, transport emissions, um, and Mm. well, yes, and in electricity generation, we are bringing on more renewables now than we've ever Mm. had before. You know, I I cut the ribbon on a you know our first um, uh, solar farm large-scale solar farm, on an actual farm recently and so on. So you can see that things are starting to change. But, Jack, I have always been the first person to say we're not moving at the speed or the scale that we need to. Will
0: we be burning more coal again for El Niño? Because over the last couple of years, of course, we've been in a La Niña climate cycle, which means generally heavier rain, slightly cooler temperatures... Now we're heading into El Nino. Would you expect to see coal burning go up?
1: There is a risk of that, but we've also. Do you s- expect that? No, I, well, there, uh, uh, there is a risk of that, but there has also been more renewables come on stream than there has ever been before, mm. and people are starting to be more efficient with their electricity mm. use than than they have been before. Some of the large corporates who are looking to decarbonise are built are kind of going into direct. Power purchasing mm. agreements are out there. So there's a possibility, but the point is that, that's not an excuse to stop. That's an excuse to double down and to make sure that right. we're actually building more renewables than, than we currently have. Agriculture
0: is, of course, our highest emitting industry. How much is agriculture paying for its emissions on farm? It isn't. It isn't. Doesn't that one point say everything? About, about the ambitions of you and the stated ambitions of Labor versus what has been achieved over
1: the last six years? Well, six I...
0: years as climate minister and our highest emitting industry still isn't paying for on-farm it's a, emissions. It's
1: a huge frunst- frustration to me, and you will know, because I've I noticed that you were pulling out Cabinet papers in the previous segment, you will know that actually on this matter Cabinet has consistently not followed my advice, right? So, you know, what I would mm. say is, that if you want to ensure that agriculture is paying its fair share alongside every other sector of the Mm. economy, I need more Green MPs in the next Parliament and I need more Green Ministers sitting around the Cabinet table so that we can ensure that we are actually able to deliver
0: What would you do differently, reflecting on the last six years, to try and have more influence when it came to reducing emissions and policies that would actually lower emissions or would indeed make agriculture pay? I'd have more Green Ministers sitting around the Cabinet table. There's nothing else you would do. Look, In the last six I, years, and, well, you, you, when you think about the strategy with which you've approached this issue, mm. there's nothing you would do differently,
1: personally. Well, there, my, my hands have been tied, so I think that I've played the hand that I have been dealt by the New Zealand public pretty well. Well, what about thinking back to 2017, that when the Greens last had mm. political
0: bargaining chips, for want of a better term? Should the Green Party at that time have done more to secure more definite commitments from Labour?
1: Uh, Possibly. But remember, we were in a blind negotiation with New Zealand First on the other side. Uh, and but they so couldn't have formed a government without you? That, well, they, well, they didn't form a government without no. us. You know, they, the, we, we were there to so support that. So that was the point to extract policy concessions? Well, in in that negotiation, we did, right? So we had, in fact, it's actually in the New Zealand mm. First coalition agreement about agriculture coming into the emissions trading scheme, albeit at a 95% discount mm. rate, right? So that was actually baked in there. But then it Changed subsequently, uh, you know, mm. when we kind of got in, in, into the government ah. and the uh, government decided to go down the route uh, of hewaka Ekanoa, that was that was an opposition to advice mm. that I that I put up to cabinet uh, at that time. I, I want to stick with the theme
0: of. of um political strategy, Mm. and think about it in the context of this election campaign. So I've got some really straightforward yes and no questions that I'm hoping you'll answer. (laughs) Does National have a credible path at the moment for reducing emissions in line with the zero carbon commitments? Not as far as I can
1: see. Has National pledged to end the ban on offshore oil and gas? They have, yes, they have said that they're going to return to offshore oil and gas.
0: Has National pledged to end the clean car discount?
1: Yes, they have, within their first 100 days. Will the Na- most successful transport emissions reduction policy that we have.
0: Will National hit up the climate fund?
1: Yes, they're going to drain the climate fund uh, for, for other purposes. Does National's Likely Support Partner
0: Act want to completely scrap the zero act? Yes, they do. The next parliamentary term will take us until the end of 2026. Mm. So which of these hypothetical support agreements (laughs) would be in the greatest interests of lowering emissions and preparing for the climate change future in that time over the next three years? A National Act government, a National Act New Zealand First government or a National Green government?
1: Well, as you say, it is a hypothetical scenario, right? Because Everything if, if is the, hypothetical yeah. heading into an
0: election. So which of, which of those three scenarios would be in the greatest interests of lowering emissions and preparing for the climate change future over the next parliamentary term?
1: Well, just flip the question on its head for a second, Jack. If you were Christopher Luxon and you had the choice of going with a philosophically aligned party like the ACT Party, who also want to unwind uh, progress on climate mm-hmm. change, why would you choose to you know, pick up the phone and ring the Green Party, who are ph- philosophically heading in the other direction want more action on climate
0: I will change. answer that question in just a moment, if you will answer mine. Which of those three possible options would be in the greatest interest of reducing emissions over the next
1: three years? I would think that the answer might be obvious, but you've got and to... What is it. that answer? Well, because if you're going to w- what, start... what is that answer? <clears throat> well, anything that would, you know, where the Greens are able to prevent uh, ACT from unwinding all of the progress that we've made over mm. the last 30 years... But my point is this. If you're going to play hypothetical scenarios, even within each of those scenarios, there's about half a dozen different variants, right? Okay. Whoa, <laughs> oh, sorry. And if, if you can, oh, no, it's getting. I thought worse. that might have happened in
0: the last it's, interview. You're getting, we,
1: no, but I think <laughs> w- what happens is that we get, we get very uh, kind of excited about all of these different mm. things, but the election hasn't happened yet. And I know the numbers tell the story that they do, mm. and I'm not one of those politicians who kind of trashes the polls just because they're mm. inconvenient to them. But in my experience, over at least the last couple of elections, the the on-the-night result and the government that was formed after was different from the, from the way that we right. called it. And so if there's one thing, one very important thing that I want to leave you with here, is that the public hasn't voted yet. No. And actually they get to decide what the formation of the next government is. They get to decide how mm-hmm. many Green Ministers are sitting around the Cabinet table. They get to do all of that. And, and you can, we can kind of look at the polls and say what we like and call it as well, it is right let's, now. Let's look at the polls. But you've Let- got to have the election first.
0: Absolutely. Let's, let's look at the polls as they stand. So, unlike 2017, when you were last pressed on this question, barring a grand coalition, so a co- coalition between National and Labor... Well,
1: that's another scenario we can... Yeah, ask that's it, it. Well, we right? can ask
0: them about it. But barring that scenario, there is only one two-party deal on these One News variant poll numbers from this week that can form a new government. It isn't Act and National, it doesn't involve New Zealand First. Barring a, a grand coalition, the only two-party support deal that will get a majority in the House, according to that latest poll is national in the Greens. So I want to know really straight, if Christopher Luxon calls you on October 15th, would you take the call?
1: It is really important for you to know that if people are voting for the Green Party, you're voting for more Green Ministers sitting around the Cabinet table with Labour, right? That's what you're voting for if you're voting for the Green Party.
0: Back to my question. If Christopher Luxon calls on October 15th, would you take the call?
1: Well... We've always sought to be constructive, you know, but ultimately, you've got to remember this, Jack, Mm -hmm. ultimately, it's not up to me, it's not up to Martin. it's not even up to our caucus, right? It is actually for Green Party members to decide Mm. who they will support into government. Yes,
0: and and that's an important point. So I will ask you about that point, but to be totally clear, if Christopher Luxon calls on October 15th, will you take the call, yes or no?
1: It would be rude not to. Would
0: you be prepared to negotiate in good faith with National and take a support proposal
1: to Green Party members. As the co-leader, would you be, pre- be prepared to do that? Well, it, it, I mean, uh, the problem that I've got here, Jack, is that we're kind of chucking around, you know, versions of, you know, scenarios, all of which are, uh, mm. of which are hypothetical. I do believe that our members should always have the last choice, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And that... <clears throat> excuse me. And that I don't have the right to prevent them from making that No, but you are the co-leader. And, and so this is this is where your role comes in. And I want to know if
0: you would be prepared on behalf of Green Party members to negotiate in good faith with National and to take a support proposal to Green Party members to vote on.
1: You're, if you would be prepared to do yeah. that role. Yeah, OK. So this is not going to be a satisfactory answer for you, Jack. Because even that isn't up to me. Right. We have a support team in behind our negotiators. We've got four or five negotiators in the room. Then we have about another dozen people who are drawn from our membership at large. They are the ones who decide whether or not to take a proposal to our broader membership.
0: Right, but you would support those people negotiating with National?
1: Look, I always think that our membership should have the right to make that choice, mm. right? And, you know, and that will really be mm. up to them. See,
0: so it's funny, I... I which reflecting on the history of MMP, mm. because because in a sense, isn't this what MMP is supposed to be about? I would. If you hope think so. about the history of MMP, right? It's but we've basically just had, for want of a better term, factions of the right, and factions of the left, alternating over the last you know 27 years or however however long it is. Isn't this kind of relationship, a National Greens
1: relationship, exactly
0: what MMP is designed for?
1: Well, it, MMP is designed to ensure multi-party democracy. <clears throat> And to ensure that each government represents a majority of the population, however mm. that however that gets configured. Like I say, we are campaigning to win this election alongside Labour and to ensure that this time we are sitting around the table with more Green Ministers mm. who are able to have more of a say. If I was in a position to choose, why would I choose to go with National rather than with the Labour Party? Albeit <laughs> I have had some frustration. You're not
0: going to have the I, mean, the... I mean, ultimately, the answer to that is because Labor's not going to have that option. You're going to have one, well, one potential option, and that is to support national and potentially lower emissions or not. It's a binary choice. These are... Well,
1: again, you, you know... you. That, you, they, that is they, the potential they, these, binary, they, right? But they're all yeah. theoretical scenarios. And, and Jack, I, you know, you can spend a lot mm. of time and a lot of energy prognosticating about, you know, what might mm. happen, what could happen, and so on and so forth. Right now... We're campaigning to win. We'll see what happens on election day once people have actually Mm. voted. And like I say, whatever the poll said in the previous couple of elections, something different ended up eventuating. Mm. So I'm I'm honestly not putting a lot of energy into the myriad potential scenarios that might happen. I'm putting my energy onto winning this Mm. election campaign alongside the Labor Party and then continuing on for a third term in government. Good luck for the next two weeks. Thanks for your time. Greens co-leader James
0: Shaw. If you want to contact the Q&A team, please call did or my. These are our main platforms. You can send us an email, you can find us on X or on Twitter. Up next, if you have your voting papers, then in about 23 hours and 8 minutes, you can cast a ballot. We look at how early voting has changed the dynamics of our election campaigns. Kelda, welcome back. This time tomorrow, all of us will be able to cast a ballot in this year's election. Most polling places open at 9 o'clock in the morning, with voters able to have their say any time for the best part of two weeks before polling day. Early voting was first introduced 12 years ago, and if previous elections are anything to go by, a massive whack of the voting population will cast their ballots before October 14th. Here's Fenner Owen. <laughs>
4: Good evening, Well, The polling booths have closed and the nation has decided.
5: And the nation in 1981 was in for a long night in front of the tally before results came through. Electoral staff and broadcasters who brought us the results were reliant on the technology of the time. Rang
4: Xerox are helping us to get those results in and to get them in quickly. Flanking me, this big television monitor.
5: But this century there's been a significant shift in the way we vote, where we vote and when we vote. With early voting, today's electoral staff can start the count at 9am on voting day.
4: What that means is that um, after the um, voting places close at 7pm, we're just mostly counting the votes that were cast on that day and that enables us to get those preliminary results out a lot quicker.
5: New Zealanders love advance voting. When it came in for the 2011 election, 14% of voters cast their votes early. Last election, 2020, 67% of votes were cast in advance. It's expected that up to two-thirds of voters this election will vote early.
2: The election day is really just a full stop now at the end of a two-week voting period, so we don't vote on election day. We vote during an election fortnight.
5: Political scientist Dr Richard Shaw.
2: So the parties really need to get their campaign commitments and undertakings and policy offer and so on out there earlier than might previously have been the case.
5: But some don't, do they? So that's, that's an interesting situation when you've got parties who haven't released their policies, uh, but somebody may have already voted.
2: So we don't always all vote on the basis of, of a trade-off between parties' policies. But I think it does raise issues, particularly if there are really significant policy uh, positions around fiscal policy, for example, which both of the major parties still have quite a lot to say on.
5: All set to go. National and Labour's fiscal policies were only released in the last week.
2: We're doing this on the day that overseas voting opens. We probably need to update our, our, our statutory thinking and our policy thinking and our political thinking generally about the election
5: day. The social credit change was 6.1%. Mid-century election night. And before New Zealanders watched the experts light up to get through the long night, they had performed a three-yearly ritual, a public act of citizenship. Has it now lost its significance?
2: So voting still counts as an act of citizenship. We're just performing it slightly differently and across a different timescale.
5: This weekend, many electoral staff and contractors are hard at work.
4: We'll be making sure all the voting places are prepared, they've got all the rolls they need, all the ballot papers. We'll still be training staff. We need a lot of people to help us deliver this, so the training will continue over the weekend. And just making sure everything's ready for Monday.
5: This election sees another big push to go to the voters. Along with the libraries and school and church halls, some voting places will be set up again in marae, kura, mosques. And this election, nine foodstuff supermarkets and 11 warehouse stores. And from tomorrow, there'll be voting stations in our international airports, both leaving the country and coming back. So when you're waiting for your flight, you can cast your vote.
4: It's just another way we can bring voting to the people.
5: Voter enrolment and turnout has jumped up over the past three elections. That's been put down to advance voting and bringing it to the people. But also MMP engaging a wider demographic and perhaps the pressing issues of the time. The Electoral Commission hopes for a banger of a turnout this time round.
4: There's a lot of energy, a lot of excitement. We're just getting everything rolled out and doing everything we can to make this a positive voting experience for all New Zealanders. Whena Owen
0: with that report. Hey Arku and a nei, we're back after the break. Kua motu, that is Q&A for this week. From the Q&A team, thanks for watching. Now, mihi ki a koutou i ngā Thanks for your feedback. Hey, tēra wiki, we will see you next Sunday at 9am for our last show before polling day in the 2023 general election. Q&A is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air.